All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Hello, and welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, Photo Work. Hello, everyone. I am Sasha Wolf, uh, recording today. Uh, in the home studio back on the Upper West Side of New York City. And I am joined as always uh, by my friend and producer and today's host, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Michael Chauvin-Dalton. Hello, Michael. Hello, Sasha. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm Still in my home studio, the place I've been for the past year. Yes. (laughs) Well, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's nice to be home. So you were gone for a while. How is it being home with all of your belongings, your books, your artwork? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. And I have a guitar up in Woodstock that I keep up there. But my electric guitar... (laughs) <laughs> and another guitar of mine are here, but it's really my electric guitar that I miss the most. And so I have to, since I've been back, I've, I've you know, really just want to play the guitar all day. So I've had to behave myself mm. and you know, <laughs> it's just so much nice. fun. Um, uh-huh. So yes, my artwork, my electric guitar, um, I think those are my top two. Yeah. things here that I really miss. Um, but I came back with a little painting, actually, because a friend of mine up in Woodstock is a painter, and he gave me a painting for my birthday in the fall. And uh, just that I hadn't done this in so long, something that I do regularly, which is find a place for a new piece of artwork. And so that activity, <laughs> I just love it. It was just so right? wonderful walking yes. around and figuring out exactly where I wanted it to go. And actually, I love it so much that for right now, I have it actually just on my big desk where I sit all day because I just realized I just want to look at it. I just want to keep looking at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should make clear to people that um, yes. <laughs> I, for a number of reasons, but the main reason was just because things were really hectic for me as I was moving back home mm-hmm. um, that I just, we didn't, we don't have a guest for this this well, episode well, you are the guest um so i'm the guest <laughs> um and that that just saves us a ton of work and time that i frankly just didn't have and then the next episode will actually be a conversation with alex webb and rebecca norris webb and we'll get back on track with mm-hmm. with interviewing artists but today everyone's stuck with uh you and i for <laughs> for the episode well, it gives us a little time to to catch up and and also thank our listeners a bit too for all the wonderful comments uh, we have been getting. Yes, it is really moving, and um, so I second that. Uh, you and I both get a lot of DMs and Instagram, and also a lot mm-hmm. of emails from people. And so uh, we've talked about this before, but we continue to really appreciate it, and it it really it's it it's not just the like. Hey guys, great job. But it's also the feedback, you know, how people feel about particular episodes and whatnot. Exactly. That's that's really wonderful. And so they're pretty specific. They are. Uh, it's the great. Comments. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's actually kind of humbling that people like hearing us talk to each other, I have to say. Yeah, it's very 
Look, I, you know, I think that, you know, we've sort of stuck with this format because it has been a very difficult time and it's, it's been our feeling that people appreciate, you know, just the, the warmth that we have for one another and, you know, that expression and sharing that with people seems to make people feel good. So yeah. Don't do anything to piss me off. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was going to say, if they only knew how much we actually hate each other. <laughs> no, never a crossword is actually no. the truth. Uh, no, no, not at all. I love, uh, love, love working with you. Yeah, we we actually uh, have a pretty good, uh, some pretty good off-air conversations. Still. Yes, we do. Um, so, can I just implore people to so ask a favor? of everyone we've asked this before i'll ask it again because it doesn't seem to actually penetrate um (laughs) (laughs) i think the only place you can really rate the show is on apple podcasts but we do know that that's how most people are listening because you can you can see Mm -hmm. that information you you're privy to that and in order for the the podcast to be recommended by apple Mm -hmm. it has to be listen to a lot and rate it a lot. And we are getting a ton of listens. So thank you so much. We're in the tens of thousands, which is really amazing. But I think we have about 60 ratings now. And that is, <laughs> for the <laughs> amount of people who are listening, it, it it's just silly. So please, people, <laughs> please, please just take we don't, you know, it's a free podcast. We don't make any money doing this. And <laughs> make money (laughs) (laughs) right we 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 lose money and that's actually true because we spend money on a lot of research and time and shipping and whatnot so if we could just ask this one favor of people as a sort of quid pro quo if you could please rate the show just just please do that for us we so appreciate it yeah and i know not everybody wants to be on apple podcast believe me i understand that but um uh that is the one place that really counts when, you know, the time comes where we, you know, hope to get some sponsors and, and want to, you know, uh, expand anything we want to do. That, that is the place that it, where everybody yeah. looks. And right now we're not focused on sponsorship. We haven't tried to do that. Mm-hmm. We're not even sure if we will, but it's nice to have in our back pocket should we decide to put effort in in that area. Um, but anyway, right. right now we're just... We're just soldiering on. Um, and so, yeah, let's help each other yeah. out. Anyway, so let's get to it. Um, you're the host. I'm the guest. What do you got <laughs> for me? Well, um, you know, it's come up in the a few episodes that you have expanded your uh, representation. And I know we've spoken about the idea of how many people you can represent and represent well and what's too much and what's not enough and, you know, how you decide but you did, you know, you, you have taken on two more artists, I believe. And Correct. I'm curious as to the, that process and also the, you know, the kind of conversations you do have uh, beyond, you know, that, that sort of initial call. Like when you say, okay, I'm going to represent you. What is that like? Um, yeah. So great question. So here's, here's what happened. It's true that I felt that... 15 artists that I was representing was a number that I didn't really want to go much beyond. And I, I, I think I'm probably going to wind up saying some stuff today that I've said 
before, but sort of hard to talk about without repeating some of these things. So I apologize. Yeah. You know, we have a responsibility, obviously, to the people we represent. And so there's only so much work you can do in a day. And so the more artists, for me, the more artists I have, the more I feel like I'm sort of letting people down because I can Mm. only work on so many, there's only so many things that can be as I refer to it as sort of front burner. And I will talk a little bit about some of the things that are front burner right now. So I've always sort of felt like for me, when I've gone above 15, it just sort of feels overwhelming. But all rules are made to be broken. And (laughs) um, (laughs) so I added Christine Potter and Danielle Bowman to people who have been on the podcast. Christine Potter, I've known for a while. Danielle Bowman, I've just gotten to know in the past number of months. Yeah. But they were just two two artists who ultimately I really wanted to work with. And so let me take them one by one. Christine and I have talked about working together for a couple of years. And I, I think for that time, we've both felt like in many ways, it's sort of a perfect fit. Hmm. I I was hesitant because when when Christine and I were beginning to have this conversation, Brian Skutmott was really starting to dig into his transition from shooting in color to shooting in black and white. And they both shoot large format and they were both shooting in the American West. And I was Mm. nervous that although their voices are very different, their sensibilities are very different, the pictures they're making are different, I was worried that there was just enough overlap there that would be problematic for me. And problematic for Brian and problematic for Christine. And, you know, I work very hard to have some sort of separation between my artists so that... It's like not not having artists that are even competing with each other. Exactly. That's exactly right. And because I have, you know, I don't represent the widest sort of um, spectrum of art. First of all, I only mm-hmm. represent photography. And even within that, there's there's really only, I would say, two sort of broad categories that I work with, which one is what I would call straight-based photography, and the other is uh, sort of process work. That's the sort of Caleb Charlin, Chuck Kelton, um, mm. abstractions, uh, you know, chemograms, photograms. But for the most part, the roster is focused on sort of straight-based work that people are making out in the world of the world that they come upon with obviously a certain amount of staging, which is what happens when you're shooting large format, but not what we would call highly, highly conceptual and, you know, and and not photo collage and not not photo-based artistry, not, you know... So not Hank Willis Thomas, not Jeff Wall, not Greg Crutzen, Gregory Crutzen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so 
I only have a certain amount of bandwidth in that way. Bandwidth isn't quite the right word, but you know what I'm saying. And and so, yes, I'm very, very careful about that. So I was just anxious. And as Christine started to, to get further and further into the project Dark Waters, um, which is her current project, I started to really feel like there was more and more separation between them. Right. And that reality mixed with my feelings about this project. It's a project I'm, I just love so much. I, I just got to the point where I was just like, I really want to work with this work. I really want to stand up for this work. I want to be associated with this work and this person. And is that a, a conversation you have with Christine or even yes. Brian? In terms of look, listen, I'm you know with Brian, I'm bringing on someone, and and you know they make this work, or with Christine, this is why it, it took so long. Yes, you know, that kind of conversation. Yes. So I didn't have the conversation with Brian. I I ultimately knew it wasn't necessary, and I think Brian's a big fan of Christine's work. So I I really feel like my artists are really happy when I bring on artists that they respect because oh, then that's good. you know the team is like a strong team really you know and also it's like it's good company to be in yeah you're building up the the store in a, right. in a sense right yeah so but i did talk to christine about it and of course and i said look here's where i am and and you know we we talked about this and but i'd love to i'd love to move forward and so that's where we are and then with danielle danielle really just came out of left field for me because you know, she won the Aperture Portfolio Prize in 2020 last year. I was starting mm -hmm. to sort of get to know her work. But Danielle had very little work out in the world. She was sort of not sharing a lot of work with the public. And I had, I did the podcast with her and I just liked her so much. I like her so much. I just think she's a fabulous person. And I found myself really enjoying talking with her. And then as I got to know, she shared more work with me. I started to really feel like I had a stronger and stronger sense of who she is and what she's doing. Now, I will say this about Danielle. I don't know how much work she would consider sort of complete, you know, final projects, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a ton. And so, so I don't know how much work actually exists, but I still haven't seen a ton. I still really I'm only privy to two bodies of work and there's not a lot of work within that I've seen within those two bodies of work. So with Danielle, there's definitely more of a leap of faith for me, mm. but I have that faith. I, I have right. that faith a hundred percent. And, you know, there's always the possibility that Danielle could start doing work that I just can't connect to at all. And that, that mm -hmm. happens by the way, with anyone. Um, I've had artists who I've worked with for years who then started doing work I couldn't connect with at all. And we ended the relationship, you know, amicably and with a lot of love, but I just knew I was no longer the right person for them. Right, right. And that could happen with Danielle. As I said, it could happen with anyone. But there's definitely a little bit more of a leap of faith when, you know, someone's really young and, and they don't have a long sort of track record, but I just feel really strongly about what Danielle's doing and I wanted to be involved with it. And 
And so that's where we are. Um, so you're, you're taking on two artists in and, and in your sense, in different stages of their development and, or career, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's already, of course, plenty of work that I really, really love. It's just, again, mm-hmm. there's just not tons of it. I mean, go on Danielle's website or my website and, and you'll see that. I want to explain something else that, that's really sort of interesting with these two guys that I've never done before, which is if you look on my website... You'll see artists and you'll see my 15 artists. And then there's a new category that says additional artists. And Christine and Danielle are in that category. And I've done something. It's definitely not a perfect solution, but it's, it was all I could come up with. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so what I've done is because I actually think that Danielle and Christine, they're, they're both at sort of really interesting points in their career. I think Christine is really blowing up now, and I think Danielle is really on the cusp of something. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give both of them an opportunity to see how they felt about being represented by someone who had given up their physical space. I, that's not quite accurate that I've given up my physical space because I have a physical space. You do have space, one, right? <laughs> but um, The traditional gallery the on public, the street. The public on the street yeah. gallery. And I think they could both be approached by other traditional galleries. And I wanted to give them an out in case that happens. And oh, so okay. I, I didn't want to fold them into sort of the the regular space and then have them leave because I felt that that would be awkward for them and for me. So I created mm-hmm. this category that really doesn't mean much except I'm totally committed to them, I'm totally representing them, but you know they might be gone in a year, whereas the other 15 artists I represent, I know that we're not, we're together forever sort of thing. We've been together. I've been working with these people for years and years. So anyway, it's a bit of an odd thing, but... But it also works a, a little bit like a spotlight, doesn't it? Explain. Um, if they're in a, a little separate category, it's sort of like, here are some new artists, Yeah, right? no, no. I definitely think... Yeah, yeah, it's actually a funny little byproduct. But, but yeah, for the most part, it was just sort of a way of like saying, look, I... I I know you may be approached by, you know, someone with a bigger setup soon, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm here until then. Now, I don't want either of them to leave, but I'm interested enough in supporting them and in working with them that if that happens, it's it's okay. Right. Um, if they got picked up by yeah, a, a gallery yeah. that really interested them. Yeah. Right. That would be all right with me. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know. We'll see what happens. But anyway, it's super exciting. And and that's sort of the backstory. But I think it really does fit in with your idea about, um, you know, rep- not just representing artists, but helping them develop in their work. Um, and one of the things I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, when, when you do accept an artist, there's, there's a known quantity of work that you're interested in. And there's probably a, a I don't know, a, a bump or a... Um, uh, an accelerated interest in the work when you bring someone in and there might even be a flurry of activity early on. And then of course, you know, you know what happens after that, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So with both Danielle and Christine, I've already, you know, sold a good handful of prints. Oh, wow. 
And, you know, that's what happens is that when I bring on a new artist, I have certain hardcore collectors who immediately, you know, will buy work. But, and, and sometimes they'll immediately buy work by one of my artists who just has a new body of work. So it's an artist they've already bought their work. And they're, you know, these are the big, these are the types of collectors who the work goes into flat files. Right. <laughs> you know, they're not putting, they, they, you know, they have hundreds and hundreds or thousands of prints. And mm-hmm. they're building- I've been in those New York City apartments. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it, it's amazing. And the, the, these- Collections will go to museums. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. they get liquidated. Sometimes they go up for auction at a certain point, and oftentimes they are pledged to to go to museums. So I know when these clients buy work from me, you know, I can I can tell my artists not only, hey, did we just sold five prints or whatever, but I can also say to them, and and this work is going to wind up at, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So that's always really exciting. Now, it it's true that particularly with challenging work or work, I would say, that's not highly decorative, you know, neither Danielle nor Christine are making work that I would say is highly decorative. You know, right. You're not going to necessarily buy either one of them to make a room, to match your couch. Mm-hmm. So... You have this activity, you sell to these collectors, and then there might be a lot of downtime where you're just selling a print here and a print there. And and that's really a normal career. You know, Chris Graves made this photograph that was on the cover of National Geographic uh, (laughs) of the... (laughs) It was the National Geographic issue of Best Images of 2020, and Chris had the cover, and it's a really moving photograph of George Floyd's uh, face being projected onto the Robert E. Lee monument in Richmond, Virginia. And Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, wonderful. It, it's it's yeah. really extraordinary. And um, so we sold a lot of that print, and, you know, we don't normally sell a ton of Chris's work. We sell his work steadily, but it's not like gangbusters. Again, this is a normal career, but this picture came out and all of a sudden there's a big flurry of activity. And actually, so this is a front burner project now, actually, because Chris was shooting um, the dismantling of all these Confederate monuments in the South this summer. And we actually decided to make a portfolio for museums and university galleries. Oh, wow. That's great. And and so we've been, you know, working really hard on this for the past couple of months. And I think we have another two to four weeks of sort of very, very front burner activity with this portfolio before it's sort of... Yeah, not taking up as as much time. But, you know, right now we're having portfolio boxes made. We had an essay commissioned that the writer Diana McCore wrote, and it's really beautiful. I I just, Mm. I love it so much and made final selection of the images. And are are these made to order, so to speak, or is this something that would actually be for sale? Yeah. So we made an edition of 15. And before we sort of got too far 
down the path and sort of expenditures of both time and money, I put some feelers out to curators that I know and asked them if this is something they thought they'd be interested in, and they all said yes. So I actually Hmm. tested the waters before we got in too deep. Um, so we've actually pre-sold a bunch. Wow. So anyway, so so this is this is a, a sort of a classic so front burner situation. I have another artist, Peter Kayafis, who's working on a very big project right now. I've been helping him edit. And so I would say, you know, right now Peter, Chris, Christine, Danielle, um, Adam Katzif is working on a new body of work and I've been very involved with with him with this and Mm. these are my i'd say that those five are sort of taking up the most time right now and then they will slide over and other Mm -hmm. things will christopher rodriguez is working on a book project and that sort of comes in and out as far as you know my time and and effort and focus and but that's yeah, that's the way it goes. And yeah, well, yeah. Was there something you wanted to finish up? No, on that? I had I, I nothing else a... to say. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, along those lines of having actually quite a few, it sounds like uh, uh, projects that are pretty active. You came back to New York also uh, because business has been picking up, right? What what's going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is I'll... the world? opening up a little what's happening um so business was just absolutely atrocious for the first like six months of the pandemic for me mm-hmm. my clients just were not interested they were interested in trying to stay alive and figure out how to homeschool their kids and and I was preoccupied with trying to help my family and take care of my parents um, that's right then yeah. I got appendicitis and Mm-hmm. you know, was in the hospital and was really felt lousy for a while after that. So there was like that. And then things did start ramping back up in sort of late summer, or early fall. And they've continued to sort of, um, the ship has, has sort of righted itself so that business is sort of back to where it was pre-pandemic. But having said that, you know, like everyone else, I feel quite anxious about our future. And Mm -hmm. although there's a lot of good news right now, and more and more people that I know have been vaccinated, whether they're teachers, or they Mm -hmm. have a pre existing condition, one of my closest friends has asthma, she was able to get vaccinated, which to me is such a huge relief, because I really worry about her. Mm -hmm. And, and so there are I have quite a few friends and family now who, who have been vaccinated, including my aunt and uncle up in Woodstock and my parents. And so this is just all just such great news. But I also, like a lot of people, feel very anxious about all the variants going on. And I think that what the pandemic has sort of taught us, if nothing else, is that you know your world can go upside down really quickly. And, and so I'm sort of in a a guarded position. I feel thrilled that business is good right now, but I, I'm I'm working my butt off because taking advantage look, of I that always moment, try right? and work my butt off. But yeah, but I definitely feel like you know things could go sideways again, and 
you know, really have to take advantage of this right now. But yes, yes, right. yes, things are definitely, you know, getting 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 better, and and I'm really grateful. Absolutely. Yes. No. Let's hope it uh, keeps going for as long as possible. And you know, I'm also looking forward to um, having more uh, in-person contact with my students and and all that. I've been doing a bit of that, and that's what we're all hoping for right now. Yep. We are. We are. What else you got for me? So you know, you were you were talking about making these portfolios and reaching out to people and getting sort of a sense of what people are interested in, and you know, with business picking up and all um, with collectors, is that also true of maybe less uh, kind of conventional collections, you know, um, university collections, other sort of um, places where, where, you know, art gets collected that we don't really hear about as much. Um, is that also coming back? Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of universities are really well-funded. You know, a lot of mm. private elite universities are, are really well-funded. So I don't know that they've had problems. I think oh, okay. museums have had bigger problems because of the yes. lack of visitors. And I'm sure people's giving has been down for museums, but I actually think these university museums have been okay. I mean, that, that, that may not be true. This is certainly not my area of expertise, but that's my mm. feeling about it. And I think it's important to remember that there are hundreds and hundreds of these places. So it's not just, we're not just trying to place things at MoMA. Um, right. We're also trying to place things at, you know, uh, Smith, Bryn Mawr, Wesleyan. Like there are a million of those places mm. and they do have budgets. And these are teaching facilities. Like curatorial studies or? Well, you know, they'll have, they have classes come through and students, they use a lot of work for teaching. And so for a project like this, it's a real oh, match. So, so their collections are part of their curriculums as well. I, I Yes. I mean, I think that that, that can be the case. Mm -hmm. So a lot of universities are very interested in sort of political, social work, like this work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these things can take a long time. This is, you know, we just placed a picture of Brian Skutmatz at the Harvard Art Museums. And, you know, that was a year and a half from the time that they reached out to me to finishing this deal. And that's not unusual. So the thing right now with the portfolio Chris and I are doing is sort of moving very quickly. That's more the, <laughs> that's more... <laughs> that's more unusual than a year and a half. Oh, okay. So you have to just be really patient and everything is a long game. I've said this a million times, but it really it really is. I would also just say portfolios in general are not things that collect, uh, private collectors want. So Oh, okay. I I wouldn't suggest people start making portfolios because for private collectors they really just want to pick individual images that they're interested in. Portfolios, mm. also, museums often don't want them either. They have to be the right type of, of portfolio. Um, and this, this just happens to, to fit in, into that. Maybe more of a, a retrospective sort of portfolio. It's a whole thing. Right? Like you the, want... All the hits. <laughs> yeah, and also something that's like, you know, shows like th this, this project is just really, you know, encapsulates this moment in time. Mm. of the Black Lives Matter movement and the Confederate monuments. And it's sort of, you know, it's really of this moment and and wants to be a whole body of work that that's 
you know, illustrating that. But in general, portfolios are, are not the most popular things in the world, even though they can be these beautiful objects and, and feel like, right. how can someone not want this beautiful, shiny object I've made, this gorgeous case, this mm-hmm. linen case with the name of the project stamped on it and it's so beautiful and yada yada. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, they're usually I'm a quite, sucker for those. Yes, yeah, but <laughs> but don't get, don't don't let it fool you. They're hard to sell um, and generally, generally. Right. I know Jess Dugan, I don't think she'd mind my saying this. I mean, I know Jess Dugan has made a portfolio for her project to survive on the shore that she placed mm. in a lot of university museums. She had great success with it. Again, that's the perfect type of project. Um, It wants to be, it's not about the individual pictures, it's about the whole. And so you have to just be really mindful of that if if you're thinking about a portfolio. Anyway, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it can be very frustrating working with or trying to get work placed in museums because of how long things take. It can also be frustrating because you reach out to a curator and you never hear back from them, even someone mm-hmm. you have a relationship with. That happens to me. I try not to let it hurt my feelings. If I'm being honest, it does sometimes. Sometimes I'll write to someone I know I think I have a warm relationship with, professional relationship, and I don't hear back from them. And I, mm. I feel bad. But I also know that the curators are getting inundated all the time and they're really it's overwhelming and i'm sure they cannot respond to everything right so to you know all you artists out there when you know you feel like you're putting stuff out there and trying to reach out to people and you're not hearing back it happens to me too it happens to my colleagues it happens to all art dealers as well and and so we're we're all in that together and i'm sure you don't hear back from us sometimes <laughs> that's right <laughs> although i i try really hard to respond to people but i have to say in this past year i've i've you know buried and lost more emails and have been late in responding to people more than ever and you know, it's just a it's just a volume uh issue yep i also think because we're all spending so much time in front of our computer Mm-hmm. You know, because of Zoom and everything, it's like, yeah, I think even people who are very good about getting back to every email are, you know, less inclined to want to do that now. If you see an escape right. from your computer, you want to get away from it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I, I sometimes look at my computer now with like absolute hatred. Um, <laughs> that's when I want to just go play the guitar. But anyway, well, yeah. Um, why don't we, should we wrap up? I think so. Yeah, I think we we, we hit all the, the things I had to, um, all the questions I had, definitely. And I'll yeah. just say this, you know, if if there are some burning ask a dealer questions you all have <laughs> that we haven't covered in either the last Ask Sasha episode we did or this one, then please feel free to send us those questions and... And we'll try and get to them in, in a show. I mean, I think we're really happy to do that if if, mm-hmm. if we if we hear from you with something specific that we haven't already covered. I have gotten some questions that we've already answered in shows. So, um, but if if it's if it's something new, please please feel free to be in touch. Yeah, and um, I'll just uh, on a personal note. Uh, you know, we had a, a little back and forth on this on, on social media as well. I I volunteered at a a vaccination 
Center in New Jersey. And I have to say it was just an, a wonderful, fantastic experience. So if you have the time and and the health and everything else, and you can, uh, you know, volunteer to help get those vaccines out. It's it's a it was a, a just a wonderful experience, like I said before. And um, I just loved the interaction I was having with people who were just sort of full of hope and gratefulness and a little anxiety, you know, <laughs> hoping they got it right when they showed up. But uh, it was just a really good. Uh, yeah, I was experience. really proud of you when you told me you were oh, doing that. And <laughs> no, it's it's really it's it's really wonderful. All right, Michael, well, that's a wonderful note to end on. Um, Michael, always great hanging out with you. You too. And um, until next time. Yes. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by J. Walter Hawks. You can hear Photo Work on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.